Welcome to You Need to See This, a film podcast about filling in the gaps of our collective cinematic experience. I'm Luce Tomlin Brenner, and I'm joined by my co host. Me, Cozy. Hi. I thought I was going to have to call you a co ghost because you weren't there. Ooh, that would have been, been co good. Uh, too much. Uh, we're comedians, writers, filmmakers, and film lovers. Each week we pick a film that one of us has seen and one of us hasn't seen. Then we try to convince each other and you, sweet listener, that this movie is worth your time. We'll cover everything from nunsploitation to how did you miss this blockbusters, and we do it all with no spoilers. And it's no, Halloween. No spoilers. Thank you for that <laughs> contribution. It's Halloween, so uh, we're doing all horror movies the last couple months. It's it's been Halloween for me for most of my life, so we will keep going with like week 20 of Halloween horror movies. Um, And today we have a very special guest, uh, one of my most favorite podcasters. Please welcome Annie Rose Malamit. Hello. Hello. Thank you for coming to the podcast today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So for anyone who is not familiar with the incredible Annie, let me tell you a little bit about her. She's a film theorist, podcast producer, and self-identified lesbian vampire. As the creator of the podcast Girls, Guts, and Jalo, she examines subversive and controversial films from a femme leather dyke perspective. In her writing, she blends personal narrative and film theory. Annie... Welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Girls, Guts, and Jello is my favorite podcast that I don't produce. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, and you were just a guest on yes. Girls, Guts, and Jello. Oh, that was such a thrill. We did David Cronenberg's Crash, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorites, and I've never gotten to dive so deeply into it before. It was when we went on for, I think, longer than the movie, <laughs> talking yeah, about it. Yeah, it was like two hours. <laughs> yeah, yes. like two, two and a half hours maybe. Um, I put it on my Patreon, um, yes. and I'll be releasing it officially once the Criterion Edition comes out. Which I'm very excited about, because there's only, like, the DVD that came out in, like, 2003 with, like, the mm-hmm. cardboard cover. <laughs> yes. So the uh, Criterion Edition is going to, looks like it's going to be jam full of stuff I'm excited about. Um, but yes, everyone should sign up for Annie's Patreon. She has, like, five levels that are all very cool. There's a newsletter. You can. She does movie nights. Um, and yeah, Annie's an incredible writer. So to get all of her insight is definitely worth way more than you would actually pay for it. Thank so, you. I think so too. And you're welcome. <laughs> um, and we'll link her, we'll link all of that in the show notes so you guys can easily get to it. And you uh, were previously a college professor as well. Is that correct? Yeah, so I was a college professor and adult education teacher. That is rad. I love that. That was like my dream to be a college professor when I was in college, and then I got burnt out on the process. And never yeah, I was an adjunct um, for a minute. You just, you know, you don't get treated very well. So <laughs> it's no good. Yeah, yeah I mean. being a tenured professor is obviously a different thing, but like Mm -hmm. being adjunct is kind of, 
its own exploitative thing. But my main, so I did that, but my main job, like my main source of income, it was interesting because at the same time I was teaching um, college, but I was also teaching adult education at public access. Wow, so that's very cool. I actually, most of my background is like my background used to be mostly academia, but now I think most of my background is actually in public access television. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I feel like I have the most experience in that now. So I was teaching in Brooklyn, which is like, I, I believe the largest public access station in the country. Wow. Um, I had no idea. Yeah. So because Brooklyn is huge and every single, you know, the deal with public access is that every single internet and cable company goes through Brooklyn and public access is funded by the these companies that mandatorily have to give money to public access. Oh, so same. the re, that's how public access functions. So the because every single company goes through Brooklyn, um, we had the largest public access cable uh, wow. company that was it kind of also um, it, it was so big that it had become a nonprofit arts organization. Oh That's amazing. Yeah. So I worked there for three years, um, teaching people every, every aspect of audio, video equipment and editing and software and all that stuff. So, wow. Yeah. What a, what a gift. Like that's so something that people need so badly. I think that's incredible that you got to yeah, do that. And it, it's, I mean, I don't, I actually, so I moved in March from Brooklyn to California. Welcome. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, I don't know what, how they're doing right now with the pandemic, but I do know this is the organization I worked at is called Brick, And I do know that our classes were like little to no cost for really amazing, which was like people were paying thousands of dollars to learn at the college I was teaching. Of Mm. course. And it's it's crazy how shocking it is to me to learn like what you were doing and uh, like the impact and the stretch, the reach of it, because it's like, why does that sound shocking that like people can get education for low to no cost at that level? Right. I mean, it's like I was, one of my main classes was I was teaching a three week twice a week editing course that was only $60. Oh my mm. God. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. it's pretty, it's a pretty amazing resource, but I didn't really know anything about audio until I started teaching there. I had to teach myself to teach it. Wow. So oh my gosh. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I like I knew, like I knew basic cause I really went to school for different things, but I, I knew video. So I just kind of had to learn podcast audio, which is actually a lot easier (laughs) than video audio. (laughs) So yeah, so that, yeah. So then I started, I taught myself to teach the classes because we had a, because Brick also has one of the only uh, podcast public access programs. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So I, we, that's like an initiative they started when I started working there. So I taught myself all that stuff. And then I was like, let me just have my own podcast like everybody else in the world. How oh, incredible. So you've had Girls, Guts, and Giallo for three to four years now? No, I actually, I only started it a year and a half ago. Okay. I was like, that makes sense because I've listened to all of it and I'm like, man, did I really just binge four years of? <laughs> no, 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 no. Now? Yeah. It, I only started it a year and a half ago. Okay, amazing. And you have such a dedicated following. Like, oh my God, they're they're the best. You're <laughs> the best. Yeah, well, like you know. it's, uh, you know, I just, I didn't, I had no idea that it was going to 
resonate with so many people. I, I just started it as like a personal project. I was like post breakup, but like I hadn't done anything creative in a while. I was like, I need to just start doing something. It started as an Instagram page. And then, yeah, I was like, I'm only going to do 15 minute episodes. And now look at me. <laughs> so. That's hilarious. And then, and then Luce comes on and is like, kicks down the door for two hours. <laughs> yeah. Which like I love, but okay. yeah, it's just, it's just so, I mean, my, the people, my patrons and like the people that follow the podcast are really, really supportive. That's fantastic. There's nothing like what you produce. That's why, like, that's why I was so psyched when I found your, your podcast. And then I immediately wanted to be friends because I was like, oh, this is a, it's like, um, (laughs) this is very hyperbolic, but I feel like it's the podcast I've always dreamed about. Like I wish existed because it's like, um, these are all the films that I, that basically got me into film. Like I always loved watching movies growing up, but like it was going to college and like watching subversive cinema, like learning about that movies could even be like this. Like I had no idea, you right. know, because you're only, you only really have, and I grew up in, you know, outside of Cleveland, we had one art theater and my mom didn't want to drive to it because it was an hour away. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. And like, I'm so, I, in so many ways, so like, privilege to be from New York and surrounded by culture and growing up in the like 80s and 90s where it's like still kind of grimy there. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm just very lucky in that way. Like even, you know, my parents are like regular, like, you know, New Yorkers, but they still had like so much culture around me as a kid. Just, you know, it's like you can't not being mm-hmm. there. So it, I started watching and I, my parents were also very permissive. So I started watching. Yeah. Right. I started watching these kinds of films really early and just um, have always had like such a deep love for them. And it's really... I, it's really cool to like meet other people through the podcast and especially now with the screening nights, it's like the film class I always wanted to teach where I get to be in like sexy outfits and stoned out of my mind talking yeah. about <laughs> vampires. <laughs> it's just so hard to do that as an adjunct professor. You know, it's <laughs> it's just, I mean, as an adjunct, I would just come in here. I would just like come to class and I would just be like, okay, so no one did the assignment. Does anybody care? Does anybody want to be here? <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, a lot of it was like college students who had sort of been like funneled into this path by their parents or like they they have to take this course as like a requirement but they're not really interested so like doing this it's just really because everybody is so into it it's really really fun right yeah you finally have like all of the like uh teacher's pets like yes (laughs) oh my god I love my teacher's pets yes (laughs) (laughs) uh, start calling your patrons that (laughs) that's actually a good idea (laughs) right they're like all just sitting at the front of the class like please teach me mommy (laughs) yeah yeah I'm gonna start calling them teacher's pets instead of patrons amazing Remember crying when Optimus Prime died? Or the days when every series had a ham-fisted anti-drug episode? Or when you wrote fan fiction about how the Animaniacs were so hot in that water tower, so they took off all their clothes and they started... No! No, different podcast. This one is Knowing is Half the Podcast, a show devoted to the best and worst animated memories of your childhood. Every week we recap a cartoon from the past to see if they're as good as you remember. They're not. What are you talking about? They're great! You're both wrong! None of them get good until they're in a water tower. No! No. And Knowing is Half the Podcast...
Um, well, let's get into the film that you chose today. I'm really excited about it. Um, so you chose really incredible 1977 film, Alicarda. And Cozy, mm -hmm. you need to see this. I've never seen this. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be convincing you and of our listeners why you have to watch this incredible blood-soaked lesbian opus. Um, so, Annie, tell me about, like, your first introduction to this film. What is your history with it? Why do you love it? Why did you choose it? Oh, cool. Um, so I... <laughs> By the way, the the name backwards is a Dracula, in case anybody didn't catch oh, that. Oh, fuck. I did ah. not know that. If only I had posed with this in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. I'm looking at my DVD right now, and I'm so bummed I didn't know that, and I love that. Because Alicarda is such a cool name on its it own. It is, yeah. And it's got like a vaguely... It, it just like kind of works. Like it just works for... Mm -hmm. it, it's, it works for the movie. But... Um, yeah, my history with this is like I've always, you know, I have like a deep obsession with lesbian vampire films and this is one of the ones that gets uh, listed if you like do some digging, if you mm -hmm. find to find lesbian vampire lists. It's just so hard to get a hold of. So I actually didn't get to watch it until like two years ago. Um, oh, amazing. Yeah. I just assumed that this was like a, a baby Annie love no, it's like a, it's baby Annie legend. Like right, I've right. known about it forever, but I didn't get to see it until two years ago or like the DVD was always like expensive or something crazy. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, so that's my history with it. And I just like loved it. It was, I think one of the first movies I watched like post a really awful breakup I had. <laughs> Oh, so. <laughs> stick <with> you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, that's, that's my history with it. Incredible. Thank you. Well, I actually have never watched it all the way through. The fact that you picked it was my um, opportunity to finally watch all of it. I've watched scenes of it in my like women in horror class that I took in college and talked about it. It was one of those films, I, I'm sure you have this experience too, as somebody who's like, a film academic like you know a lot about or you've like read a lot about it and you're like I feel like I've seen it um like if if I didn't want to look like an asshole I'd probably lie and said that I've seen it um <laughs> right <laughs> but I was so uh happy for the opportunity to finally just like sit and watch it because it's unreal like there's not there's the scenes on their own are like not enough to prepare you for the film in its entirety right um, so, Cozy, what have you ever heard of this movie? Why haven't you seen it? Uh, definitely have not ever heard of this movie. Uh, the closest thing that this reminds me of is Alucard, which is the name of a character in Castlevania, a video game I never played. <gasps> Castlevania, though, which is about vampires, so that's also Dracula backwards. Oh, 100%. That, wait, did you know that, or you just are realizing that now with, the, with me? No, I I, uh, I knew that at various points, and it makes a lot of sense. It's uh, wow. yeah, I, the connection's very much there. Where I'm like, yeah, Castlevania vampire thing, and it's like, oh, this is a vampire thing that makes sense too. Uh, amazing! Everybody uh, understands wordplay, but me. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't. Lucy, I, I didn't get it either. Okay, for a okay. While. <laughs> no, right. 
I mean, my dad was a creative writing professor for for grad students, so it's kind of in my blood. <laughs> right, right. I picture you as that um, scene in this that episode of The Simpsons where the other smart girl joins Lisa's class and she like goes back <laughs> to her house and he's like, "Let's play anagrams." Where we, <laughs> you know, which one I'm talking about? Where he's like, "We rearrange the letters of a famous person to uh, have a descriptor yes. of that person." Alex Guinness. Oh, and then immediately, and they do it so fast. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, that's how I, I feel like Lisa in that scene every time where I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was smart until I was around other smart people. Oh, God. Um, okay, well, let's get into a little about this film. So it was directed by Juan Lopez uh, Matazuma. Yes, I asked my uh, my lady, and she confirmed that it is Mark Tazuma. <laughs> Heck yeah! Um, basically, I die inside when I feel like the dumbest American tongue that can I literally out. apologize for that on my podcast all the time. Yes, I know that actually makes me feel better because I'm like, well, Annie's a genius, so if she can <laughs> be upfront about it, then I, I also feel good about it. Smart, but I still have a stupid American tongue. Yeah, I can't. There's a plenty of them. I actually feel like I can't read because if I'm confronted with a word I've never seen before, I don't know how to say it. I only know how to say words I've heard other people say. <laughs> I think the other the other thing with names too is like I'm I have anxiety about getting it wrong because it's yes. disrespectful. Yes. So I'm I'm like I just do that. like I did that yes. with your name when you were on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I, I always try to put myself on the other uh, side of it because I've been on the other side of it so many times because I have a weird name that doesn't have a natural pronunciation. And whenever it happens to me, I don't feel disrespected. I just feel like, oh, yeah, of course. I have a weird name. That's totally fine. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's how I feel. Where I'm like, people I'm have been messing a bitch. It up. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I, when people mispronounce my name, I'm like, Ugh, idiot. So, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but Annie, like, if they're like, is it Anai? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people, always, out of here. people are always like Malame, and I'm like, oh, no, right. it's phonetic. Yeah, <laughs> they want you to be fancier. Hey, if you ever felt like you they want me to, to be, be French and not a Russian Jewish mutt from Ellis Island. <laughs> 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 yeah, hey, Russian, Russian German over here, totally Russian German Jewish. <laughs> Holler. <laughs> Gang, yeah. um, <laughs> from New York. Which part did your did your mom grow up? Or which part did you grow up in? Um, I grew up on the Upper East Side on like 65th and 3rd, and then we moved to Westchester, and then I moved back to Brooklyn, and I was there for like 10 years. Oh, nice. So. My, grandma, my grandma lives in Queens, or lived in Queens before she moved to uh, Arizona. <laughs> nice. Yeah, this is my... I No, my sister is the first person to live outside the tri-state area. I'm the uh, second, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. In like I don't know since like what nineteen fourteen or something. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm like I'm from I always I'm like from, I'm from New York and Westchester. I feel like I've spent equal time in both. Um, mm. But West, Westchester is like considered upstate to real New Yorkers. So right. I'm like, I'm like I mean I I do have to qualify. Like I did live in Westchester for my teenage years. <laughs> <laughs> that nobody calls you out online hey wait a minute <laughs> i mean yeah like uh, you know do what do what you want but i, uh, I just i'm like let me be honest i appreciate it <laughs> i honestly i hate that shit i lived one mile outside of dc on the maryland side hmm. and anytime i'd be like yeah dc people would be like you live in maryland i'm like i can see that <laughs> 
fucking sign. Like, I know. It's just, it's so silly. It's like, I've literally, I was calculating in my head and I was like, oh, I've literally spent equal time in both places. So yeah. it's like, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm, cool. I, there's definitely some like Westchester girl, Jewish girl things about me for sure. <laughs> It's yeah, but I, that I embrace as well. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but realness gatekeepers can go fuck themselves, so it's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I don't care, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah, I mean my, I mean my both of my parents, my parents are from Long Island in Brooklyn, and mm. yeah, it's you know I've always been around it, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Rural Ohio stock here. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody wants any advice on corn or cows, I got you I know. Covered. I'm like, hey, at least I'm not from Ohio. So. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I live along Lake Erie. It's a really nice lake. Um, we have the biggest amusement park in the world, okay? Cedar Point. Damn. I don't know if that means anything to anybody, but that's my claim to fame. That's impressive. I'm on board. Tucson had zero, uh, you know, theme parks of any kind. I think hey, I, I remember referenced in Romy and Michelle, and that's what matters to me about Tucson. Yeah, I'm on board for it. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so Juan Lopez Moctezuma, he is known for, so he directed five uh, major horror films, I guess major, putting it lightly, but like important like exploitationist horror films so there was the mansion of madness in 1973 mary mary bloody mary in 1975 then he did alicarda in 1977 to kill a stranger in 1984 and again something i might butcher el alimento de miedo in 1994 so i haven't seen any of his other films have you annie i've seen the bloody mary one years ago Oh, cool. Is, are, is it like on the same level? Did you feel it, not feel it? It's always, it's it's also pretty bonkers. Also a lesbian vampire thing. So mm-hmm. I would like to rewatch it actually. I should find a torrent. I've, yeah, I've had people recommend The Mansion of Madness to me and that looked really interesting too. And that has the same writer as Alicarda, Alexis uh, Arroyo. And cool. that's, I don't know anything else about Alexis. Uh, she wrote Mansion of Madness and Alicardo and then nothing else. I can find it. Wow. Anything. What a cool lady. Yeah, seriously. Um, so for those of you not familiar, Alicardo is a loose adaptation of Carmilla, which is a really incredible uh, 1872 gothic novella, lesbian vampire story. That's very notable because not only did it, it was like, it originated the lesbian vampire character in fiction, but it also predated Dracula by 28 years, or mm. excuse me, 26 years. Uh, so Dracula came out in 1897, and that's the one that everyone's like, the first vampire, but it's not. It's Carmilla. <laughs> um, so a little bit of a background for everybody on that. And then let's see. So the stars are not anybody that I was really um, actresses that I was familiar with. Um, did you know anything else about the women that were uh, that are in this film, Annie? I don't. You know, um, Tina Romero plays Alucarda, and she did. A f- uh, it looks like she had a career, but Susanna C- uh, Camini, mm-hmm. I believe her name is. Um, you can't really find anything about her, so it's yeah. yeah I had a I had a hard time with that, which is too bad because they both are so. Um, 
like stunning. It's not quite the word compelling. Yes. I feel like they have like these very expressive faces and eyes and like quite a lung capacity. And I feel like they should have been larger uh, like horror actresses. Um, so to get into the synopsis of this film, I actually had kind of a hard time uh, <laughs> putting one together. Uh, if I go by the back of the box on the Mondo Macabro uh, DVD edition, it says it tells this. It tells of the strange friendship between two young girls, Justine and Alicarda, and how their relationship destroyed the lives of them or the lives of those around them in a torrent of blood, death, and damnation. Hot. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Like, if that doesn't get you. <laughs> um, but I don't feel like it tells you much about the movie. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to do a little bit the beginning of the plot from Wikipedia, just because it sets the stage. And I think we can jump off from there to get into our reasons. Sounds so, good to me. Awesome. Uh, in 1850, Lucy Westenera gives birth to a daughter, Alicarda, in a derelict colonial palace in the woods. Immediately mm. after the child is born, Lucy begs a hunchback gypsy to bring Alicarda to a nearby stone-walled covenant inhabited by an order of Catholic nuns, as she fears the devil will claim her daughter. As the gypsy flees with the infant, a demonic voice emanates throughout the palace as Lucy dies from complications from childbirth. Fifteen years later, a teenaged Alicarda still resides at the Covenant. Alicarda swiftly takes an interest in Justine, a new orphan her age who has arrived and is eager to become her friend. Alicarda quickly refers to Justine as her sister. While playing in the forest, the two witness a band of gypsies holding a funeral possession. One of the men, the hunchback who helped deliver Alicarda, offers to sell them an amulet. Shortly after, the girls stumble upon an abandoned palace and wander into a crypt. There, Alicarda professes her love for Justine, and the two make a pact that they shall die together. So hmm. that's basically like the first 15 minutes of the film. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. It sounded like a lot more, right? <laughs> yeah, it's got a lot done. <laughs> uh, so, well, I'll get into that with my reasons. But, um, yeah, let's just get into it. Uh, Annie, do you want to kick us off with the first thing that you love about this movie? Uh, satanic lesbianism. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> very straightforward. I love yeah, it. <laughs> there's, there's a satanic lesbian wedding orgy. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, if that that's that alone should be a selling point. Agreed. That's actually one of my reasons too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so I'll kick off with my first one and say this movie is like seventy-seven minutes. Uh, which is incredible. I think all movies should be about that long. And it uses, it like immediately jumps into the plot. Like one of the things I really have always loved about like the 70s, you know, grindhouse exploitation genre is that it doesn't really mess around with like a lot of plotting exposition. No, and especially Mexican films from this era. That's mm. something I noticed stylistically is like they they get right into it. I love that. It's just like, okay, immediately uh, writhing demonic voices like in the first 
two minutes of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's just no downtime between that. It just starts with the devil and then takes you on a satanic ride for 77 minutes. So it's short (laughs) and it gets to the point and it like is creepy and hot the entire time. (laughs) Uh, Annie, what's your second reason? So my second reason is the incredible synthesizer score. Mm. Which is incredible. I'm actually trying to find right now the um, composer. Um, yeah, I actually didn't look that up either, but I have that. <laughs> I uh, the, the music is amazing. Yeah, so uh, as An- Anthony Gueffin as Tony Gueffin, uh, <laughs> I believe that's, I, you know, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. But yeah, the incredible synthesizer uh, 70s, late 70s synth score is uh, just great. Absolutely. Um, so that's also, I'll go, I had that a little lower, but I'll pop that up to my two just to agree with you um, that I am obsessed with it. It it does this really cool thing where it doesn't start super strong, but it has like these little twangs in the beginning that kind of mm-hmm. serve as like a foreshadowing almost. Like, like the synthesizers, the devil's music, like it almost uh, signifies when things are about to get crazy. And then like, as you know, the action gets more and more intense, the, the movie sort of has like a, a roller coaster, like going up a hill, but never quite goes down <laughs> until yeah. like the very end. It just like builds and builds and builds and builds and builds to total chaos, um, which I think is really interesting. And the score sort of mirrors that, which I really like a lot. Yeah. And it's got like a creepy kind of in some moments, like creepy childlike tinkling mm-hmm. sound. Yeah, it's just very, it's a, I would listen to it. I would like it on vinyl, actually. Yes, totally like a red, like splatter vinyl. I oh, that would like be hot. Look. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, petition to make somebody make that. Let yeah. us know. <laughs> um, I really, love horror movies where the score is something I can then enjoy on its own because it feels like I'm getting two things out of it. I'm like, great, this is like I enjoy watching this movie and now I can listen to the score while I'm working because I love working to horror movie like scores and soundtracks. I find it very soothing. Um, So highly recommend. I love just listening to them, you know, breakfast, (laughs) sex. (laughs) That's definitely... Yes. Always want one, want one on. <laughs> Horror scores for sex is incredible because it's like you're in your own movie. It's very good. Highly yes. recommend. <laughs> I highly recommend it too. Yeah, I've got some choice ones I like. <laughs> oh my gosh. And we'll link them in the show notes so everybody can fuck to it. <laughs> um, amazing. All right. What is your – so we both love the music. What's your number three reason? My number three reason is all of the blasphemy. It's yes. an extremely blasphemous film. It was um, very controversial upon its release in native Mexico uh, because it's a very Catholic country. And mm-hmm. Juan Lopez Moctezuma was part of the um, Mexican avant-garde scene at the time. Ooh, um, interesting. Yeah, so he was a, uh, he he did a lot of things. I it's hard to find a lot of information about him, but I did a, yes. a, some deep dive for my stream on Friday um, when we watched it for Girls Guts and Jello, and he was apparently a radio host, a TV host, um, a 
jazz player, a painter. Wow. Uh, he was a prolific guy, and he yes. also struggled really deeply with mental illness. He spent um, a, a long stint in a psychiatric institution, and two of his uh, fans, hardcore fans, found him in this institution and did a radio interview with him, and they asked him how he was faring, and he said, I'm here with all of my friends, the vampires and the demons flying all around me. Mm. So he's an intense guy. (laughs) Uh, And uh, what what else did I want to say? Oh, yeah, so part of the – one of the um, biggest – uh, discussions happening in the Mexican avant-garde scene at this time was um, this tension between tradition and modernity. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of that has to do with Catholicism. So this film is actually like a deep indictment of Catholicism and not just Catholicism, but also the psychiatric industrial complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like because the, that the, is something between that, the science and the religion. Right. So that is something, cause that is a tension that, Juan Lopez Moctezuma himself struggled with. Mm-hmm. So, um, I and I love that Lucifer is positioned as like the liberator of women, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a a theme across art and literature and film for hundreds of years. There's a book called um, Satanic Feminism, Lucifer is the Liberator of Women. If anybody is interested by Per Faxnold, it's like an in-depth history about um women's relationship to Satan. So I great. I want to read that. Yeah. It's really, it's like a tome, but I, yeah, I I highly, highly recommend it. Um, even just like for select chapters. So that's very cool. Yeah. So I just, I love all the Satanism and blasphemy in this. So you, you grew up Jewish, right? Did you have any exposure to Catholicism at all? Or I mean, I, did so I like I went I knew a lot of Catholics and mm-hmm. my mom actually converted later in life so she actually grew up Catholic so oh. I was right so I was raised Jewish um and I so I didn't really have like and my mom would tell me like horror stories about Catholic school but I didn't really mm-hmm. know anything about like the religion until mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so funny until I listened to the Jesus Christ superstar. Soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, Your I didn't religious really, education. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really know anything about Christianity until that, which is really funny. I love that. So <laughs> that was not until I was like 13 or something. Um, like I knew that there was a Jesus, but I didn't know like what the story was. <laughs> so, right. It's kind of yeah. <laughs> so, but then, you know, of course, like getting older, like I, I have my um, undergraduate degree in Renaissance art history. So I Ooh. learned a lot about Catholicism through that. Of course. Um, and I have no, it's so funny because like I have, I think, I feel like a lot of perverts, like their root is <laughs> Catholicism. Like, it's Catholicism. And yeah. I don't, it's not taboo to me because yes, it's exact not, same. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not my culture so it it doesn't feel like what feels taboo to me is like wearing a cross right like, I know oh, I'm like no. dangerous <laughs> <laughs> like even growing up in like a a household with like a, a mother who was raised Catholic like it just wasn't something that was part of my life so it feels very taboo to me to like wear a cross but so I don't know like the the, the 
Catholic blasphemic blasphemy imagery and horror has a different connotation to me. It's more just mm-hmm. like I'm cheering everybody on. I'm like, yeah, yes. Yes. yeah. <laughs> like, that's incredible. I have that exact same experience, which is why I wanted to ask you that because I've never, I was just wondering if, how this would touch with somebody who maybe grew up Catholic and isn't anymore, or maybe just doesn't take it seriously. Right. Because, um, I get lost sometimes with like exorcism movies. I, I like them. I like anything that's supernatural, but like, I don't, I feel like I'm missing an aspect of the impact because I do not give a fuck. Like it just seems just as fake as everything else does. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I feel the same way and I think it's more so, which is why I cling to the Lucifer as like a liberator of women Mm -hmm. sort of angle to it because I'm like, that's cool to me. Yes. Yeah. And like the devil (laughs) stuff always seems really rad. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Really boring side. No, but I know for like a lot of like perverted people who love horror movies like they're lapsed Catholic so it's like mm-hmm. very taboo to them to watch it and I, I can appreciate that it's just not my experience yes yeah totally I had a similar um my parents were both raised Catholic they're from big families and so most of my extended family that I'm pretty close with is Catholic so I've been to many Catholic weddings and Catholic funerals and I've, you know, been to masses and I just, it, they're so boring. They're so long. Um, they're not really great at getting anybody new in, I feel right. like. Right. I've like, that's, I've like never been to one. Like I, they always seem very, they, I kind of fetishize it a little bit. I'm like, it seems like really goth and like sure. austere and the like kind of, you know. It's incredible. Yeah, like, exactly. That's the best part. Like when I'd be like sitting at these weddings and I would, I had this game where I would make myself look at like one of the stained glass windows for like at least a minute. I would like count and like try to examine every aspect of it because many of the churches have like, you know, 10 to 20 stained glass windows with these gory scenes of death on them. So I would basically just yes. like sit in church and try to like examine each and every aspect of someone getting their head chopped off. And I loved that part was really thrilling to me. But then I'd be like, I'd try to check back in with whatever was going on out front. And it was just like Roman, Roman, like Latin language and like the worst. Right. Like I sense. always love the violent imagery. I mean, Jews just like are not idolaters in that way. Like right. they just don't, <laughs> there's no like imagery like that. You know, the imagery is much more abstract. Um, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like Islam in that way. Like the Semitic religions are very, you know, they don't, their representation is not really the the name of the game. So Mm -hmm. it's... So so like all the symbolism is very fun. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. I I agree with that. And that's something uh, I do like about this movie a lot because there is, this isn't an official reason, but there's just like endless amounts of like ornate crosses and... Right. um, And also like fuck the church. Yeah. So yeah, the church is not good. Yeah, like it's it's a bad institution. So <laughs> right. any movie that's like covering it in gore is okay by me. Totally agree. Yes. So that's why I wanted to kind of get your background because I know, you know, Cozy, we've talked about this before that you also don't really have a strong religious background. So all of that to say, I don't, if you don't have a strong religious background, I still think that, I think this movie is still like hits very hard and is like exciting for a myriad of other reasons. <laughs> um, I got lost in, <laughs> that was your third reason, right? Annie? Yes. Okay. Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie is so, um, there's just so much imagery in it that I feel like my head is sort of like a cyclone of, uh, 
like blood and and screams right now because <laughs> I just yeah. oh, I just rewatched it so I just watched it before we were recording so it's like very okay, present cool. for me <laughs> um okay so my third reason is that um so this is like a s- subtle I guess I want to say it's like a subtle lesbian horror only because I think it's extremely lesbian but they're never like we're lesbians um but they, I feel like they try to portray them as like best friends, but then they're in love with each other. They uh, have a wedding. Wait, what part's the wedding? Oh, the orgy. That's the wedding. Okay. Yeah, they're right. they're both getting married to Satan together. I oh, see the Satan part threw me off. Okay, there is ruffle. I was very lost in just the imagery. Like I had a really honestly had a hard time following the actual plot because I was just loving all of the imagery so much that I felt like I was looking at a picture book or a lot of it. Totally. And they also, they do make out at one part. That's true. Okay. So it's not subtle. I guess in my. (laughs) (laughs) They make out like covered in blood. I know. I'm like, I just like it when it's more overt. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing that's interesting that I found out is that this movie was a huge inspiration for Guillermo del Toro and oh. that it's like a direct inspiration for Heavenly Creatures. Like Heavenly Creatures actually has a lot of the that same shots. makes so much sense. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Because those were, I was like really into that movie when I was younger and like any movie of like girls with a toxic, intense friendship romance mm-hmm. um and so that my third reason is like I am obsessed with their relationship when Justine comes to the convent Alucard is her roommate and it's immediately insanely intense just like lesbian relationships <laughs> like she comes in and like she's like oh yeah my parents are dead and then Justine is like let me show you my secrets yeah and, and <laughs> in my chat so on Friday people all the lesbians were just like ah oh, the classic 10 hour first date <laughs> yes <laughs> it was so awesome because she's like um here let me show you and then she just dumps out this bag of like this felt very LA to me like stones and like magical ruins and sticks and grass and like herbs and things like that. Like each one of these things has a secret and has a magic to it. And she just is so, she was so intense in this way that I was like very attracted to. Yeah. Alucarda is a dream girl. Yes. And she's like, let me show you all my secrets in the woods. If a woman said that to me, you guys would never see me again. <laughs> I'd be like, bye, off for many life. Right. I feel like I have said that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is honestly not in- that different from how I date. No, it didn't. That's exactly right. Like, I did not feel like it was heightened. So I was like watching it. I was like, is this supposed to be crazy? Because right now this feels like a very true lived experience. <laughs> yes. Um, and then they go frolicking in the woods and they're like picking up mossy stones and looking at little insects and she's very like poetically intense about how they're like the creatures in the forest and they're rolling around on the grassy knoll together (laughs) all the while wearing like these beautiful like late 19th century um thick long-sleeved gowns and Mm -hmm. their hair is like long and wavy and poofy and just like there's so much, like before the devil's even involved, they're already like so much like woman that you could see both of these women being like, I don't know, sort of shamed for like being too 
loud and, and too, um, uh, you know, bouncy almost like having too much life during this time where women are supposed to be like seen and not heard. Right. Um, so I really like that aspect to it. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, of course you'd be into the devil with this attitude. Um, because the nuns keep, you know, kind of shushing them and trying to get them to pay attention to prayers. And, um, they're just like, no, listen, we've, we're devoted to the devil. And it's, Oh, it's just really, really, it's lovely. Like, it's just such a uh, goals type of relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, Annie, what is your number four reason? Okay, so my number four reason is all of the blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is so much blood. And, you know, as someone with a blood fetish, I am really into it. <laughs> and it's very aesthetically pleasing. I and was, it's just like constant. It's constant. I was yeah. thinking about you. Uh, I almost texted you this morning, but then I'm like, I'll just wait to talk to her about it because as soon as there's, so when they're giving themselves to the devil, there's this right where they like, they get little cuts on their tits and then they like get fed each other's blood. And Alicarda is so into sucking the blood off of the uh, quote unquote gypsies fingers um, and Justine's like, I guess a little, and Alakana is like <laughs> sucking his finger down and then like making out with her, but it kind of just feels like she's sucking the blood off of her. Right. More. It's really and I was hot. like, this is a hundred percent Annie shit. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really fun. I love when people, you know, pick a movie and then I'm watching it and I can see exactly why. Totally. Yeah. That's, uh, you can't not see my, my creeps, my creepiness <laughs> in that, in that, that scene. Um, yes. So that's actually um, one of my reasons as well. My favorite scene other than the opening when they start to become friends slash lovers is um, there's an incredible scene when uh, a nun, op- okay, first of all, there's so much casket opening in this movie, which... <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I wasn't sure if this was a spoiler. I'm just not going to say the specifics of it, but I love, I I don't know if this is just from like watching Dracula as a kid or Dracula dead and loving it as a kid. Oh my God, that movie is so good. So good. Thank you. I feel like we've talked about it like three different times on this podcast, but we've never done it as an episode. I'm obsessed with it. Um, Speaking of hot vampire women. Uh, the women in Dracula Dead and Loving It are so hot. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but I am obsessed with caskets. Like somebody opening a casket that they shouldn't be opening for some reason like scratches this itch in me oh. and a horror aesthetic. So there's lots of casket opening in this movie. And there's always like cobwebs and skeletons and mummies and bats. And it's uh, it's got all of the all of the, you know, boxes checked. And there's this incredible scene where a nun opens a casket and the casket is filled to the brim with blood. And there's just a character like essentially floating in the blood. Ooh, and that's cool. she, oh, it's incredible. It's so yeah, cool. It's really I think it's good. my favorite visual maybe in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I gasped. <laughs> 
<laughs> when it came on the screen, I was like, oh, my. Uh, <laughs> that's how you gasped. <laughs> yeah, that's how I saw it. And then I fell on my chaise lounge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got out my paper fan. Um, <laughs> so and she, like, rises out of this coffin, and then she's, like, completely blood-soaked, like, even more so than, like, Carrie. I feel like she's yeah. covered in blood and just, like, <laughs> coming at this nun and this, like, monstrous way that's really exciting and hot and also scary uh and I just am obsessed with that film I or (laughs) obsessed with that scene and I just what I I really love about like this genre of film is how red all the blood is I'm not really into like I don't know more modern violent horror movies where they're trying to make it look more realistic and it's just like I don't know, kind of gross. There's something about like the bright red blood of like the 60s and 70s that's really Yeah, love that cheesy 70s blood. Yes, it just looks so good, so bright, vibrant, life life force. (laughs) Um, Yes, so totally on board. We both love the blood. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so funny because the um, quote on the uh, Mondo Macabro special edition says, more blood, loud screaming, and nudity than any horror film I can think of. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that incredible? That's Michael Weldon of Psychotronic Video Guide. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) um so annie what is your fifth and final reason why people need to see this film okay so i was torn between two of them Um, sometimes we do honorable mentions so you can go for it (laughs) okay so my first one was that there's probably a full 20 minutes of screaming yes (laughs) in this this film and the actresses are just giving it to you they're so good at screaming like i would be forced like i'd have to go to the doctor it's insane (laughs) yeah it's like truly worth watching just for like the spectacle of how much these women scream (laughs) Um, and then my other one was like the amazing cave interiors. Yes, that's that's mine. You you got it. Ding ding ding. <laughs> Yay! I, I love where they are. It's like everywhere they are is just confusing to me the entire time. They're always in these caves and big halls and like I guess the monastery, but it's like everything is so gothic and and odd and out of time and I just love it and there's just coffins seems like there's coffins everywhere the entire time which I love yeah um, and the, the weird tampon nun costumes okay yes so I have that down I do not understand I have my note here these nuns wear incredible bloody mummy dresses yes it's so <laughs> weird yeah what? that's not like we're used to the nuns and the habits but these women are dressed like fashion bloody Egyptian mummies <laughs> yeah I mean I really think it's supposed to emphasize this idea of like virginity and also just like menstrual paths. I thought, like, I mean, I, I, really, I was thinking the entire time. <laughs> I really think it is supposed to be menstrual imagery. Okay. Yeah. Cause they do not let you, cause that's the interesting thing. Even when there's not actual blood flowing, the nuns are in the scenes and the nuns look like they're soaked in blood, even though they're like technically not. I think they might be though, because remember mm. the whipping scene? Oh yes. That, 
was a disturbing scene. There is yeah, a, quite a whipping I think, scene. I so think you, they're actually bloody under those gauze things. Interesting. Okay. There's a lot happening in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who's afraid that we spoiled anything, we absolutely, like, now you just have a bunch of um, random images to try to sort out into a storyline. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh, my honorable mention was that um, I really love, I, don't, I didn't say it, I was going to, and then I moved it. Um, the, the witch's circle is really amazing. I so love good. Na- it's like a, something I'll never get sick of, like women naked frolicking in a field, giving themselves to Satan or some dark underworld. It's such a great uh, trope, I guess. And the, <laughs> that hot Roma lady with the hair. Oh, and really incredible. Ha- the hair is just flowing in this movie. Yeah. Like if you love a great head of hair, there is so much of it to enjoy. Um, so cozy, what do you think after all of that? Are you convinced? Do you want to see this movie? Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think this one sounds like something I would like. Uh, I haven't seen a ton of seventies movies. Um, but I feel like this podcast in general is introducing me to the the bloodiest ones, which is super fun. Yay. Um, I, I can't remember if I've seen any lesbian like vampire movies before, it oh my feels God, like, cozy. Wow. Uh, it feels like a trope that I that makes so much sense to me that I feel like I have, but nothing comes to mind, so probably not. So it feels like coming coming uh, seeing this one would probably be a good starter for me. I think so. Especially because it's based on the starter of the trope in literature, right? So yeah, yeah. that's very cool. Um, well, very, like, very loosely. Yeah, yeah it's very sure. loose. I, um, I don't okay, know. I'm not going to hold it to the source material because I never read that. <laughs> Carmilla's yeah. interesting. I definitely recommend it for people yeah. who are looking for something off the beaten track this Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this sounds this sounds like a like a fun ride of a movie. It, it has a couple of elements that I like in other horror movies, like weird scary orgies and stuff like that um i feel like there have been a couple movies i've seen that i'm like oh yeah this is the fucked up part cool great on board for that (laughs) and uh it sounds like the imagery is awesome uh i'm not a big fan of a ton of screaming but that's okay whatever (laughs) um i will say you can just turn down the screaming and you'll still be able to appreciate the visuals (laughs) yeah that makes sense to me i can mute some screams uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we were mentioning Annie's blood fetish. I probably also have one of those, though I haven't really thought about it because I do tend to swipe right every time someone's face is covered in blood on Tinder. I don't cool. like hell yeah. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that I've done so much sketch in my life and walking around with blood on my face just feels more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, all of your sketches always have blood. So, so much blood. Well, maybe I maybe, maybe I've awakened something in you today. I think you're right. Thank you for that. Yeah, every time <laughs> I do a show where I have fake blood, I love walking around outside after it and just talking to people at grocery stores like it's nothing. <laughs> maybe you do have a blood fetish. It's very possible. This I don't know if it's a badass thing or if it's a vulnerability or if it shows vulnerability in some way. Because uh, if you can bleed, you're vulnerable. I don't know. Maybe it's both of those. Who knows? Point is, this sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was actually just to plug something. I was just on um, the 
this podcast by uh, this woman named Tina Horn, my friend Tina Horn. She has a podcast called Why Are People Into That, which is all about kinks and fetishes. And she has people on to talk about why mm-hmm. why they're into that. And she has one on blood fetish specifically. And then um, I was burn. just on it talking about my vampire fetish. So you guys can mm-hmm. maybe Amazing. learn more about what you're into. Is that, <laughs> that, is that episode out yet? No, it's not. It's going to come out this month, I believe, for Halloween. Awesome. Well, we'll link the podcast in the show notes and then let me know when that comes out and then we'll share that as well. And I want to hear yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I talk a bit about that, about why I, why I love blood and maybe it'll resonate with you. It's very possible. I, I know that my costumes for Halloween when I was growing up were probably 100% vampires, at least for a while. Amazing. <laughs> I love this so much. Going into this, I was like, I don't think Cozy and Annie have anything in common. And then what? it turns out we have everything in common. Blood fetish. Yeah. New York News with a blood fetish with Russian yeah. back. Yeah. I really wasn't prepared. I love this. It makes me so happy to make this <laughs> Um, incredible. Well, listeners, if you have seen Alucarda, let us know. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Need to See Pod or me specifically at LTB Comedy and um, Annie at Girls Guts and Giallo on Instagram and Twitter. Is it the same thing? Yeah, it's Instagram and Twitter. It's just Girls Guts Giallo. And then the podcast is Girls Guts and Giallo. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Amazing. Well, before we get going, do you have any recommendations of anything you got into this week that you want our listeners to check out? Let's see. Yeah, let me think about it. I've been watching so many horror movies this month so far for <laughs> yes. Halloween. Um, and I've been wa- I've been revisiting a lot of the classics. So I rewatched Carrie, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. I know that's like a standard, gold standard, but I hadn't watched it in a few years. Yes, we um, had a, an episode. Actually, one of our first episodes was about the modern Carrie versus the old Carrie. And I, oh, interesting. I actually like the new one more, even though the old one is better aesthetically. <laughs> okay. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you listen to my episode for why. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I watched that and then – the new thing I watched that I hadn't seen before is this movie called The Other Lamb. Have you seen it? Ooh, no, I haven't even heard of it. Uh-oh. Yeah, so it it's a new uh, new like psychological horror film. Mm. I really highly recommend it. It was written I, I really wish I could remember their names. I'm sorry, I'm terrible with names, but it was both it was written by a woman and it was directed by a woman. Oh, cool. Um and it's yeah, it's about a uh, a, a mate. It is about a cult. I'll put it that way. And I'm in. It's in. It's about a cult in the woods. So, uh, and it's very disturbing and beautiful. And I highly recommend it. Amazing. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and Cozy, what about you? I know you've had a week with your computer. Have you gotten to do anything fun? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have actually. Absolutely. I, I ended up watching a couple movies uh, the last couple days. Um, I'm going to recommend one that I was like, Luce might also recommend this. And that part of why I watched it. But I'm also, yeah. But every day after that, I was like, there's less and less of a chance that she will. Okay. I don't know why. <laughs> My confidence just waned for some reason. <laughs> anyway, I'm recommending uh, a movie that I saw on Netflix that just came out called Vampires vs. the Bronx. 
Oh, I have seen uh, a good friend of mine recommended that to me, and I haven't watched it yet. Nice. Well, Luce, it's got some casket opening, which I know you love. So yes. you know, it's it's really fun. It's a fun ride of a movie. You know, it's you know, it's a couple like whatever fourteen or whatever younger year old kids in the Bronx. Uh, you know, it's like, it's a black kid, a Puerto Rican kid. And, uh, it's just, it's great. And they're really fun. You're like rooting for them. Uh, and it's about gentrification and it's fucking mm-hmm. great. Oh, that just made me think that, uh, so, uh, former guest of both of our podcasts, uh, Monica Australia Negra, oh, uh, yes. posted about how much she loved this recently. And, uh, she was like talking about how she wants to come back on the podcast and talk about it. So nice. maybe cozy, you and Monica can do it for me. I mean, I'm already kind of convinced to watch it, but <laughs> yeah, well, that's I love idea. Monica. Yeah. She's such a badass. So <laughs> such a good filmmaker. So fucking smart. And she's writing, um, She's like a regular contributor to sci-fi networks. Like, Oh, horror. cool. And yeah, she was on my podcast. We talked about vamp, the Grace yes. Jones vampire movie. That's right, because I had not. I was familiar know. with that. Yeah, oh, yeah. You well, you need to see this. That's great, yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So I watched a lot of stuff at work this week um, that I really loved. I've been mostly watching movies at work since I am there all the time. So. Um, <laughs> I was trying to like narrow it down. I am going to recommend a movie I've been wanting to do on the podcast and I just don't know when it'll happen. So um, I want everybody to watch The Cat People, the original Cat People. Oh, from I love the original one. Yes. It's one of my all time favorite movies and I hadn't watched it in about a year probably. And I put it on at work because all of my coworkers hadn't seen it and they had seen the 80s one and I was like, shut up. The eighties one is you need a lot of drugs to get through that one, yes. but it's it's, it, fine. it's so sweaty. <laughs> I I like like it for the piece of garbage that it is, but mm-hmm. the original Cat People is like actually good. Yeah, it's crazy that they're even the same. Like it's supposed to be a remake. Like it's not at all. It just feels no. like a totally different movie to me. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the 1944 Cat People is so good. I first watched it in my horror and sci-fi film class in college, and I had this really incredible professor that like really was great about you know looking at everything through like a feminist lens and like a, a different you know backgrounds, and he was very uh, thoughtful about it, and so that was the first time that I saw it and it has such an interesting sort of accidental message about like the threatening sexuality of the modern woman. (laughs) And I, and I just think that like cats are really sexy and like, there's so much like sleek cats in this movie and it's really creepy and it's really moody and it's every frame is really beautiful. Um, And I just, not enough people haven't seen it. So that's great. Curse of the cat people, which is like, technically a direct sequel not very good so you can skip that one mm. you know i was just gonna say i like curse of the cat people as a <laughs> a, a christmas horror movie oh interesting okay well i'm gonna revisit it then because that one i've seen way less i was disappointed uh when i watched it and then i think i've only watched it like one other time so it's not as good but it's it's got it, it has its moments okay i'm gonna if it's i didn't remember it had any christmas stuff in it so i'll revisit it this christmas because there's not enough like christmas horror right well fantastic um well everybody that's our show oh <laughs> before that plugs right 
Oh, yes, please. What? I'm just so used to not having something to plug. Cozy. <laughs> we actually both have something to plug. We're doing a show together this week. That's right. We are. Absolutely. I'm very uh, excited Cozy for it. Opened my casket and coaxed me out to do an online comedy show, which I have been fervently against since the beginning of quarantine. So only for you, Cozy. Thank you. So appreciated. Yeah, this Wednesday, uh, October 14th, uh, at, from 8 to 9 p.m., uh, I'm hosting a, or producing all that stuff, a show called uh, Crash This Zoom Halloween Party. Um, <laughs> it's the new version of the live show I used to do called Crash This Party, which is a party-themed variety show. And we're relaunching starting with the Halloween one. We have, uh, we have improv from the Team Menudo, uh, all Latinx team, very awesome. Uh, we have Luce doing storytelling. I really can't wait. I'm so excited. And then we have my team, Sweet Dalai Lama, doing uh, an improvised ghost story uh, into improv in the dark, which I'm okay. so excited for. It's my favorite. And uh, you can check that out. Oh, it's so fun. You I'm can interested to see out. how that happens on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, we did, a, we did a tech rehearsal, and um, it, it was really great, but it also devolved into naming every Tom Hanks movie we could. Okay, well. <laughs> uh, my favorite. Um, but yeah, you can all check that out at uh, on Facebook at Crash This Party, and uh, the that'll be for the event. And the actual show will be streaming on Twitch um, at twitch.tv slash sweet Dalai Lama, S-W-E-E-T-D-A-L-A-I-L-A-M-A. -A -A uh, check us out. And I'll be doing a, a story about the first time I was called a dyke and a lesbian awakening. So, yes. and, it's, and it's scary. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> so that if you like uh, all of our lesbian talk today, come see me do uh, one that is written out ahead of time and performed. <laughs> <laughs> so, Annie, is there anything specific you want to plug other than uh, Girls, Guts, and Giallo? Um, no, not at the moment. Um, I have some things I'm, you know, writing that will be published and, um, I'll, I'll promote those when the time comes on social media, but yeah, nothing out right now, except, you know, if you want to check out my Patreon, it's patreon.com slash girls guts jalo. And I do, um, a film screening every other week. We have like a theme of the month. So the theme of this month is Mexican cult horror films. Um, so that's why we watched Alucarda and yeah, we've done all kinds of things like last month we did, but is it feminist documenting women in porn? And, uh, we watched two documentaries about women in porn. Um, so all kinds of things, not just horror. Um, I did a month of Japanese sex cinema from the sixties and seventies, um, uh, and eighties actually. And Yeah. All, all kinds of sexy stuff over there. So yeah, check it out. It's uh, really incredible. Definitely worth it. I will put your Patreon and the podcast in the show notes so people can find that quickly and easily. Um, it was such a treat to have you on the show. I have so much fun talking to you about movies. So thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, for, thanks for guesting. Yeah. Terrific. Nice to meet you. You too. Um, well, and thanks to Pete. Yes, Pete. Thank you. Thank you, so, Pete. We appreciate uh, you making us heard. Um, and you guys, if you're enjoying the podcast, hop on to our um, our Apple and give us a five-star review. If you write a little review, we will read it on the air. And we are so uh, happy that you're listening and you're enjoying 
and come back next week for more You Need to See This. Let's find more secrets.